Welcome to Knuckles, the personal finance podcast from a couple of Canadian accountants. This show offers an intellectual discussion on everything that impacts your financial life, from TFSAs to ETFs to broad political and economic discussion, we've got you covered. Because investing in anything in life comes with understanding it first. This podcast is for informational purposes only and it should not be relied upon for a basis of investment decisions. It does not constitute any provision of services or advisory. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Knuckles. Uh, this is a podcast about personal finance, about politics, about economics, about anything that impacts your financial life. And my name is Jaden, and I'm here with the Jamoth Polyhapatia of the Okanagan Valley, some may say, uh, Joven Badhan. Jovan, how's it going today? Great, Jaden. Thanks for having me, man. I'm uh, very, very uh, happy to be here and uh, looking forward to this experience, man. Yeah, I have, I'm happy to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've been wanting to do this for a while, so uh, no time like the present, especially when you're quarantined uh, during COVID. So uh, just a quick introduction. Um just for all the listeners, uh, this this podcast is going to focus on personal finance. Um, that's both kind of a passion and, and the career that we both have. Uh, but it will branch off into politics, economics, investing, sports betting, basically anything to do with money. We're here to talk about it. We love money. Absolutely. Who doesn't? Um, there will be two different styles of episodes. So uh, the one like you'll hear today is going to be more of an informational podcast uh, focused on a few things that we are um, involved with in our careers. And uh, and then there will be another type of uh, episode where we get together with a few buddies and kind of have a little bit of a roundtable discussion and get into some uh, some random stuff alongside the, uh, the personal finance. Um, so... Yeah, if you want to listen to both, then go right ahead. If you want to just get the info and and take off, then then by all means. Um, so a little bit of an introduction about myself. Uh, I'm a CPA, uh, chartered professional accountant, and I specialize helping small business, uh, both small corporations and uh, sole proprietorships. So I see a lot of that in my day-to-day work. Um, my wife also owns a small uh, corporation uh, that we purchased about four years ago now, and we we bought it at a loss, and we've built it into uh, something that's actually kind of weathered the storm here through COVID uh, pretty well. So we're uh, pretty happy about that, and uh, hopefully we can we can talk about some some of the stuff that we see on a day to day basis that might help um, some of those of. Uh, some some listeners out there who have their own businesses who are trying to uh, maneuver their way through this uh, this crazy business environment that COVID brought, uh, and and I've always had kind of a, a lifelong passion uh, for personal finance, for investing, stocks, businesses, um, what have you, and budgeting and all that kind of stuff. So, um, a lot of people would say I'm good with the numbers. Um, and I figured, you know what, why don't we just, uh, help all of you by turning this into a podcast. So, uh, Joven, if you want to go into, uh, why you wanted to do this and a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm, I'm an accountant as well. Still working towards my CPA. Um, 
so I have uh, I have exposure to small medium sized businesses uh, through previous work in in the accounting industry, but also that that's what my current career is. I manage the day to day operations of a small slash medium sized business, um, and then in. Uh, I've had exposure to the agriculture industry here in the Okanagan ever since I was a young kid. So again, doing more so the number side of that now. Um, same same as uh, similar to Jaden, uh, interests lie in personal finance, uh, economics, as well as a little bit of history. Uh, I would say a little bit of an amateur history buff, um, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, man. Alrighty. <clears throat> So the first thing that we wanted to get into, because I've I've actually received three texts from buddies of mine over this past week about um, RRSPs and TFSAs, when to use them, what they're good for, what they are, um, and how they impact you. So just a quick overview, RRSPs. Uh, they're a savings account that's kind of geared towards retirement. So you're going to be wanting to put some money in these and and, and hopefully uh, you're investing it and not just keeping it in a savings account. Um, but it's what it does is it reduces your taxable income in the year that you contribute to it. So say, for example, you make 50 grand that year and you put $10,000 away in your RSP, uh, you actually end up only get ta- uh, getting taxed on 40% or $40,000. Um, so it ends up saving you some tax. You get a pretty decent uh, refund at the end of the year um, if you're an employee. If you're a small business owner, it actually reduces the amount of tax that you're going to end up owing at the end of the year when you file your return. So um, it's a good tax management um, account, and obviously it helps save for retirement. There's a couple instances where you know people our age might want to withdraw. Um, the main one's going to be your home buyer's plan. So you're able to withdraw $35,000 now, thanks to Trudeau, um, tax-free from the RRSP uh, in order to buy your first house. And then you have to pay that back over 15 years. But what that does is it allows you to um, you know, contribute a large amount in the year that you're buying a house and then pull it out about 90 days later. And then you got yourself a big tax refund and some money to, to uh, to, to put as a down payment on your house. And then you got some extra money left over for furniture and, and what have you. Um, and then TFSAs. So TFSAs is a little bit different. There's less restrictions on these guys. Um, it's where you're gonna put your money and you're gonna earn anything you earn inside that account, it's tax-free. So everybody loves that. Um, whether it's a high interest savings account that you're putting it in, or if you're investing in uh, BlackBerry, like Jovenis. <laughs> That's a different story. Yeah, not too many gains to be no. uh, taxed on in that on no. that one. But I was trying to ride the curve uh, with GameStop. Um, sorry, continue on, Jane. I'll I'll have a couple questions, but yeah, sure. Continue on with the TFSAs. Yeah, so you can you can pull uh, your money out of a TFSA whenever you need it, and contribute um, uh, whenever you want to. Um, it doesn't reduce your taxes, uh, but anything, like I say, earned in the account, it uh, is tax-free. So it's also a great thing for retirement if you're setting aside you know, a couple hundred bucks a month. Um, if you are peasants like us, or if you're setting aside thousands, um, anything that you earn on that money in that account, uh, it won't be taxed for the rest of your life. So uh, it's a pretty good uh, investment vehicle if you're um, trying to save for retirement. 
Um, before we move on from that, Jovan, what? Uh, yeah, question on the RRSP. If you could just uh, maybe clarify for our viewers, there are contribution limits um, on a yearly basis, right? Absolutely. Uh, with both RRSPs and TFSAs. Um, what's the contribution limit right now for the RRSP? So it's 18% of your earned income in the prior year ends okay. up being your contribution limit for the next year. Right. Um, so to make things easy, if you made a hundred grand last year, 18,000 right. would be your um, contribution limit. Now there are some, some caveats to that. Um, it depends on, on what kind of income you're earning. It depends on what, um, uh, any withdrawals that you've made under the home buyer's plan or anything like that. Um, but generally it's a 18% of your earned income and it just compounds every single year. So if you have a contribution limit in 2019 of six grand and you have another $6,000 coming in 2020, then uh, it ends up being 12 and right. you can contribute up to 12 in and, a year. And TFSAs are what, 6,500 is it? Uh, it kind of varies. So yeah. uh, the original amount uh, i believe was five thousand and then they changed it yeah right now and then there's like, like a calculation yeah Har- harper increased it to i think ten thousand dollars for a couple of years and then trudeau knocked it back down um and and right now it's sitting at six thousand for the year so okay um sierra has all that information but uh yeah i just wanted to go over some um, some of the ways you'd want to use those accounts another question to bring up um so rrsp let's just take that simple example that we gave someone makes a hundred thousand their contribution limit is eighteen thousand for simplicity um now can you explain the value other than the tax savings that one gets in that one year um especially in this climate that we're in where um everyone's kind of geared towards being an institutional investor so wouldn't they be swayed towards opening a tfsa account versus an rrsp account because your gains are taxed differently yeah so that's a good question because when you pull money out of the rrsp it's taxed it's earned income because it's reduced when you put it in so the key to an rrsp is generally you're going to want to use it when you're earning the most in your career right you don't really want to use it when you're a student and you're making like 20 grand a year working part-time um so basically to answer your question, if you're looking at long-term gains, TFSAs are generally better for people at our age, right? So if we put a thousand bucks into any kind of stock right now, and in in 50 years when we retire, it ends up being, you know, 10,000. So it's 10 times gain. You're not taxed on any of it. Right. In the RSP, you're going to be taxed on, on that $9,000 gain when you pull it out, mm-hmm. it might be at a lower rate when you're older and you're not earning as much income. But um, yeah, that's a that's definitely a great question. If you're if you're looking for those really long term gains, especially on um, some higher risk investments like like equities, uh, you're definitely going to want to be putting in the TFSA if you've got room. Right. Um, exactly. Unless um, unless you're looking to reduce your taxes in the current year. Exactly. So basically, it's simple simple way to put it is if you make a lot of money um, on a, on a, on your uh, as employment income. So if, if you are employed and you make a, a lot of money, kudos to you. And you would like to reduce the amount of taxes that you're going to pay at the end of the year. RRSP is kind of the way to go, or you should look into that. Yeah. And if you're maybe a young professional starting off student, 
um, or just someone that maybe doesn't have that, isn't in that tax bracket where you're going to be in a taxable position at the end of the year, um, but you have some side money to throw around and, and, and invest in some equities or some ETFs or whatever it may be, um, TFSA might be the way to go. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you can start buying those uh, Bitcoin ETFs that come today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> None of our investment advice is, uh, uh, we're not held accountable for this. We just want to say that. Yeah. This absolutely. is just, uh, this is just advice. They're all, it's all just ideas. <laughs> exactly. You can yeah. do with, don't come to us when you lose you money. You can do with them <laughs> what you please. Um, yeah. So moving on, uh, another thing that a lot of people have been asking me about, you know, when, when are you going to use a CPA versus that simple tax software that, um, is kicking around that, that files for free. Um, I would say like the biggest, the biggest reason that you're going to want to use a CPA or a professional to help file your taxes is just the stuff that we know that the average person doesn't think about. Right. Um, I know a lot of people who, um, come, come to me or come to our office, uh, and their first time clients, a lot of the stuff that we find for them, they'll say, you know, like I had no idea I could deduct this guy thing. Right. <laughs> and, uh, just stuff like that, that you don't really think about, right? Like, um, a reason why I would recommend somebody use a software is if you've got one T4 and that's pretty much all you've got, mm-hmm. I mean, please, by all means, you don't need to pay, pay us, um, to file your tax return, just go go in there and, and file your one T4 and get your refund for 36 bucks and call it a day. Um, there's definitely a, a market out there for the software or else. It wouldn't exist. Yeah, it wouldn't exist. Um, but I think that the uh, using somebody to actually help you file your taxes, if it's a little bit more complex, would be um, certainly helpful and and you could probably talk about this joe because i know there's um i know there's some grants that that you're you're looking at for uh for your business Mm -hmm. um that uh that you know maybe if somebody else wasn't as involved as you with the accounting world maybe they would have even not even known about them right no exactly 100 percent. yeah and uh again it was brought to my attention by by an individual who's a CPA. So I, I, I think uh, a perfect way to uh, exp- express what, what a CPA provides is um, it's kind of like an insurance policy. Um, you know, you're, whether you're doing your taxes or whether it's your business, whether it's, um, you know, some complex stuff regarding investments, um, you, you have that insurance policy with that CPA and you have someone that, that um, knows their stuff Hopefully we can't, we can't vouch for all the CPAs out there because there are certain individuals that maybe don't know as much or or don't care as much. Uh, But if you find the right one and um, they'll know their stuff and they'll kind of have your back Um, and and then they'll look out for opportunities for you too. Um, That's big, right? Like they'll, they'll make sure to keep up with uh, the latest tax news or whatever it is. Um, And then, yeah, no, I've seen it firsthand in my case, just for my business, uh, certain grants, um, certain government programs that the uh, government of Canada rolled out during COVID, taking advantage of those programs. But having that knowledge, having having that uh, resource there through the CPA is huge. It's massive. Well, and I'd even say like you going through the program, basically almost being a CPA at this point, um, there's stuff that you pick out 
in your business yourself, right? That maybe the average person wouldn't have picked out or, um, you know, maybe the, um, maybe the the previous owners of, of certain businesses wouldn't have even thought about, whereas you're able to kind of capitalize on, on your knowledge of, of any business out there. Uh, it's kind of like take advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, common example of just personally, this is a real story is when I came into this business, uh, it was run by individuals that didn't have as much accounting knowledge as I did. Um, and I saw on their balance sheet, I'm like, wait, why is your, why is there no inventory? Um, they were plugging everything to cost of sales, uh, cost of goods sold, sorry. So, you know, they, they didn't have, they didn't do an inventory count every month and, and they were, they, they basically were, uh, not accounting for the product that's on the shelf. They were just putting it as an expense. And in, in accounting terms, and we don't want to get into technical terms here, that just doesn't make sense because you have product that's sitting on the shelf still. So that's technically part of your, that's an asset. And I saw that and basically changed my whole outlook on things because it, it made me realize the value that accounting brings to small businesses. You know, we're, we're able to take a deeper picture, a sort of deeper look at the bigger picture. And um, we're able to fix those things that might seem huge for someone that doesn't come from an accounting background, but for someone that's uh, been in it for a few years, it's a it's just a small little small little fix in the computer computer right at the end of the day um and that's what that's what cpas provide you know whether even if you're like for a small business owner 100 percent, you know make sure you consult with a cpa um just sit down with them talk to them about your business what you're doing and i'm sure they'll pick out certain things and and that will help you in the long run for sure yeah absolutely i think it I think every every CPA, especially the ones that like work with small businesses, would probably um, they'd probably bring more value to the client than the fees would. Like they, the, the value that they've provided would exceed the the, the cost of the fees, I, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. I, and I usually see that quite a bit. And the value doesn't come from you know sometimes it's not even a a direct value in numbers and cents because a lot of business owners might think, hey, you're gonna charge me. $2,000. How much am I going to save? Well, it's hard to put a monetary value on that, but maybe the maybe the CPA points out, hey, you should start, we'll develop a food costing model for you. We'll figure out how much each burger costs for you or how much each beer costs for you. And then you can figure it out from there and we'll even help you. Oh, well, your burger costs 10 bucks, but you're selling it for nine. There you go. We just figured out that you're losing a dollar per burger. And then that's like an indirect way of saving it. Um, but that's not something that I think um, the common business owner um, or the common consumer in this sense should go into is like trying to figure out um, or try to justify the use of a CPA through the savings. Those savings will come eventually. Um, and then again, like I, I can't harp on this enough, like picking a good accountant and a good CPA is very important. It's vital. Um, and you'll, you'll usually be able to tell just by the conversation you have with them and, and sitting down with them and just how much they care. Um, but you know, you want to pick someone that gives you their time. You don't want to pick someone that's just there to send you an invoice at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so to, to build on that, I think we could probably add a few things that, um, a few tips, uh, for a lot of people who are going to tax season right now. Um, going to be filing their returns 
either through the CPA or through through the free software. Um, so a couple things to think about that I just I I jotted down. A um, couple things uh, that I that I hear from a lot of people that don't make a whole lot of sense, and a couple things that. Um, that you can look out for on this year's return that might be might be different from years past. So uh, the first one is that uh, there's a new uh, work from home tax credit. So you get up to 400 bucks in tax credits that um, that uh, basically replace the cost of you having to work from your house. So I know a lot of us did that this year. Um, especially small business owners who had to close and kind of figure their way through everything. Um, so you basically can claim up to $2 per day, up to a maximum of 200 days um, where you work from home. And it's just there to, to kind of help out uh, reduce your costs. So for a lot of my buddies out there that I know that work um, for some bigger companies and you guys were working at home, make sure you guys claim that credit because that's uh, 400 bucks that, uh, that you don't want to miss out on. Um, exactly. And sorry, Jane, do you need any sort of um, proof? No. No, nothing. I mean, your employer has to sign off that you did have to work from home. Um, but the CRA basically came out and said they are not looking into any claims under this $400. You can definitely do a more complex claim where you can claim more than $400 if you actually incurred more than $400 with the cost. But it appears as though the CRA is not looking into any claims wow. uh, of that $400 one. And it's not its not too often that they actually admit that they're not going to look into it. So, so take advantage of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm <laughs> not you, saying you if, lie, <laughs> but um, you don't have to put the work in to prove that you worked from home. So if you did work from home, then you should claim the credit. Yes. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on that I hear a lot from people, and it makes absolutely no sense to me. I hear people say that they don't work overtime because the taxes are too high and it's not worth the time for them to work it. Yes, I hear that a lot too, especially um, Jane and I both have a lot of friends that are in the trades business. Yeah. Uh, manufacturing, um, electricians, plumbers and whatnot. And those guys work a lot of overtime. Just that's what their job requires. Um, I feel like both him and I work a lot of overtime too, but we're salaried employees. So we don't yeah. count for that. But but those guys know 100%. I've heard that a lot. Um, hey, I don't want to work more because Trudeau is going to take my money. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I hear this all the time. It's not true. Yes, you are getting taxed more. So on your paycheck, it, you're going to see there's a larger amount of tax being taken off. But the reason for that is because whoever is doing your payroll doesn't do it properly. And they're making it so that the software that they're using is taking the tax off assuming that you're going to earn that amount of money for the rest of the year. So if you're, if you say you're making $30 an hour regular and you pick up some overtime shifts <laughs> at one and a half times, so you're, you're making $45 an hour, the tax or the, the payroll software that they're going to use, is going to record it and deduct your tax as if you were making $45 an hour for 1950 hours a year. So it's going to overtax you. That doesn't mean that you're not and not ever going to get that back. So when you file your tax return at the end of the year, you're actually going to get a bigger refund and it's mm. going to come out at the end of the year in a wash. So if anybody and I actually I actually heard from somebody and this is hilarious. They they were given a raise and they turned it down because they said that the taxes were higher at their new salary. 
Well, that's that's an obvious case. Like, obviously, they're going to be higher. Yeah, but they said that it was too much. <laughs> and, like, just whoever tells you that out there, like, I've got people who are telling me that, um, you know, the government is, is unconstitutionally taking income tax. Well... Uh, I mean, for one, Canada doesn't have constitutional rights. We have charter, mm. so they don't even understand that in the first place. And uh, income tax is constitutional, so um, they're they're allowed to take it. So don't listen to people who who think that they're tax experts and tell you that you know working overtime isn't worth the time or taking a raise isn't worth the time. That's um, that's crazy. Please, by all means, take the raise, take the OT. You're gonna get the money back at the end of the year, and then you can buy like a new dishwasher or something with a big refund. Yeah. Uh, or something more fun than that. Um, and then obviously a lot of people don't realize this, but um, if you're running a small business, like say, say you're make, like a lot of us um, started doing some stuff this year, um, you know, as a little bit of a small business venture. I mean, like this podcast is a small business venture. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we're still looking for sponsors. So if anybody wants to sponsor the show, um, yes. but, uh, but, Remember when you're when you're running like a small business, if you're you know making face masks or you're um, you know detailing cars or, or you're doing anything, you're um, remember that you can deduct some of your home expenses. So if you're using certain areas of your house, say you're making masks and you're using your office for fifty percent of the time, you can deduct you know rent, you can deduct mortgage interest, you can deduct property tax, you can deduct all those things that you incur at the proportion of which you use it for business. Mm. So remember that. Don't just say, oh, you know, I made, you know, a thousand bucks and and pay tax on it. Don't do that. Um, Add up all your expenses and and give yourself a few um, costs that you incurred because if you weren't doing it in your office, you'd be doing it out in the cold. So um, or you're renting a place or renting a place. Right. So uh, remember to, to, to add those up because they, they do help quite a bit. Right. And then you're not having to pay so much tax on your on your little hobby business. Yeah. Jane, I got a question for you on this. And I, that this is something I've been wondering about. Uh, in the last few years, we've seen the emergence of co-working spaces. Mm-hmm. Does that class of like is is that does that fall under a home office use? Like are you talking about like um like we work like, someone like, goes to we work. We work. Uh no, I would yeah. I would say that's probably more strictly uh like a rental <laughs> expense. So I would expense all of the uh cost of of renting a place like we work. Okay. Uh, or through we work or um uh, any shared office uh, space, like a collaboration space, or if you're renting a, an office for a week, yeah, or if you're just there for the free coffee and the table, yeah, um, any costs incurred with that, I would expense all of it under your business. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Right, yeah, that makes sense. That that makes sense because it's a uh, it's an emerging trend amongst entrepreneurs and uh, small business owners. Even is why pay for an office? Why pay for a commercial building when you can just uh, and and even certain employers, like certain large companies especially after COVID, they might be moving to that um, to that uh, framework of having their employees either work from home or, hey, we don't care where the hell you work, just get the work done. Yeah. And then a lot of employees, um, especially millennials, they, they don't want to sit at home. Maybe they'll go to a coffee shop or maybe they'll find a co-working space. So this is something that, that that's why I just wanted to bring that up is uh, certain people that are working from home, I guess. Jane, Jane got that answer for you right there. Yeah. yeah. And I mean... Um if, if you're, I, I mean, our office is looking at different ways that we might, um, 
we might move on in the future, right? Like mm-hmm. we might not need that whole office for for the for in the future when we've realized that a lot of the people that work um, with us don't need to be in the office, mm-hmm. right? If you're not if you're not talking to clients or or picking up the phone or and you're just if if you're just working on files and stuff like that and you're working at home. Um, or, or, or then you can work at home, right? And um, we've kind of noticed that half of the staff um, of our firm is kind of part-time in the office, part-time at home since COVID. And I don't think that's going to change. So I think you're definitely going to see more of those shared office spaces because even professionals like us, um, we might say, hey, we only use our office to meet with clients twice a week. So we're not going to pay for a whole building and, and the upkeep and yeah. everything like that yeah. when we can rent a fancy uh, uh, shared space downtown and meet where our clients are already working at, right? Exactly. Yeah, it makes, um, makes, makes all the sense. And sorry for all the commercial building owners out there because this is uh, going to be a tough future for you guys. I think it's, innovate. <laughs> yeah, it's like an inflection point, right? Like yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of changes that we're going to see where, you know, you might see the local business rent out their basement as a basement suite, whereas before they probably wouldn't do that. Percent. You know, stuff like that or commercial um, shopping retail stuff. Maybe there's repurpose into um, small apartments. I know there's a couple of malls down in the United States. They're repurposing the entire second floor of, of massive malls into just apartments. Yeah. Well, that's happening. I've heard of the uh, same case playing out in Calgary. After this oil crash, uh, a lot of companies lost a lot of money um, and frankly went bankrupt. Um, and that had an effect on some commercial building holders down in downtown Calgary. So what a lot of these landlords decided to do was let's uh, turn it into condos. Um, Let's turn it into residential housing. And the city supported it because you can't have empty towers in your downtown. Yeah, exactly. Um, And it's uh, it's very unfortunate because it's not as vibrant anymore, but it's something you got to do to make your, um, make the dollars and cents work at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And I think COVID's probably um, pushing a lot of those um, changes along, right? There's got to be a lot of innovation happening in um, industries that were kind of on the verge of pulling back. Yep. Um, yeah. But um, it, COVID's just accelerated it so much, right? 100%. So um, it's put so many businesses in the spot where either yeah. they need to completely innovate and rework their entire business model, or they need to um, sell their business or basically uh, waste away. Yeah, which is like obviously is terrible. Like you never want anybody to have to deal with that. But uh, those who don't innovate during times of crisis are going to be the ones who are left behind. Yeah. So and and during today's times when everything is changing so quickly, uh, those people will not only be left behind; they'll probably go broke and they'll they'll sorry not broke bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, they'll be out of business. And yeah, actually, exactly. I was uh, talking to Jane about this, but I and this kind of ties in with the. With a co-working space, I took a trip down to Staples this week um, in Kelowna, BC. And Kelowna, Staples, I I I haven't been there forever, but goodness sakes, uh, that place has changed so much and they innovated and they... um, they really changed the whole outlook of Staples during COVID. They have a co-working space in there. Really? Yeah. They got a coffee shop in there. When you told me about um, that you had a a hot take about Staples, I thought it was just going to be absolutely ripping them apart. No, no, no. I loved it. I loved it. They have a co-working space. They have a cafe in there. 
And it makes all the sense if you think about it, because they got all the copiers, they got the printers, they got high speed internet, they got the desks. True. They can they they can supply everything that an individual like an entrepreneur or a small business owner needs in a workplace, in a Staples. And I was just like very very um, like proud of them in a sense, but also just like in awe. Like wow, this just is blown away by Staples. Just blown away by Staples. So good on Staples. And um, this is kind of a segue to our next topic. But um, I would love to buy Staples stock. Yeah. And after that rework, I, I would love to buy Staples stock. Unfortunately, they are held by a, uh, they were bought out by a private hedge fund. Private equity. Yeah, private equity firm uh, a few years back. So um, unless anyone has $6.7 billion or more, we can't buy Staples. So. Yeah. So if we want to start a crowdfunding project, um, we need $6.7 billion. Um, and we can that. buy a cool store that has a cafe and every printer that you'd ever need because yeah. none of us own printers anymore. Uh, I, I still have a printer. Okay. Well, Joven has a printer. No one else does. <laughs> I gave mine to my brother for Christmas. Terrible Christmas gift. No, yeah, that's what he wanted. So <laughs> that's what he got. Cool. Well, what's your stock pick of the week there, Gene? Yeah. So we're actually going to do a little bit of a stock pick of the week. Um, every, every episode, if the episodes are weekly, maybe it'll be stock pick of the episode. Who knows? Uh, mine is Manulife Financial Corp. So... For those of you who are investing um, in stocks right now, you're going to know that price to equity ratios are through the roof. Mm-hmm. So t- before I get into manual life, I was looking at Square, you know, like the the um, yep. Yep. payment processing company. Yep. Shout out to Jack, Jack Dorsey. Yeah, Jack Dorsey. Um, so... I was looking at their price equity ratio. It is, or sorry, price to earnings ratio. It is 468. So that means for every dollar that you're buying, you're paying $468 of earnings. Or uh, well, you're, you're paying $468 for every dollar of earnings. That is outrageous. That, and, and I like the business, but I don't like that, that price to earnings ratio. So the reason I like Manulife, its price to earning ratio is only eight, which is like a, it's like a unicorn today. Like you don't see price to earnings ratios of eight. Um, so it's, it's significantly undervalued against the rest of the market. I think um, it's an insurance corporation. First and foremost, it has a little bit of banking. It has a little bit of um, commercial lending. Um, it's kind of a finance company all around, but it's core business is insurance. And, um, as we all know, insurance is going up every year. And I decided one day, instead of getting angry that my insurance costs were going up all the time, I'll just own some of the insurance costs. So that's why I bought Manulife. Like I say, price to earnings ratio of eight, which is unheard of today. It's currently trading lower than book value. That's insane. That is outrageous. So for those of you who don't understand, a large portion of an insurance business is its cash holdings and its Mm -hmm. investments. So what a lot of people um, don't understand is that when you're paying into an insurance premium every month, they're not paying that out to somebody right away. What they're doing is they're setting that aside in the market. So they're buying any anything from GICs uh, to you know keep cash safe, uh, all the way up to ETFs, bonds, anything like that. So their cost on their investments right now 
is lower than the cost of the company. Or sorry, higher than the cost of the company. So you're buying into basically two things. You're buying into a profitable company and a company that owns a lot of other investments. That are more valuable than the company itself right now. Exactly. So you're buying the stock is less than the total value of the company divided by the shares of set. Mm-hmm. It's like buying a house that's worth a million dollars for 800,000. Yeah, basically, Simply yeah. Put, right? Yeah, or like you bought an eighth of a house, uh, or let's make it simple. Let's say the house is worth a million dollars and you get 10 bodies together and technically you should all pay a hundred grand. But if somebody might sell you that for $800,000 and you can all split that 10 ways. 80,000. For 80,000, yeah. then you're going to buy that house. Yeah. 100%. So that's why you should buy Manual Life Financial Corp. MFC.to, on, uh, that's the ticker. Um, and not only is it a great uh, company, great financials, trader lo- trading lower than book value, but it also has a 5% dividend yield, which is actually artificially depressed right now by the regulators. So um, the Canadian and U.S. Um, insurance regulators prevent these companies from paying up too high of a dividend. Manulife came out and said that they have so much cash that they're expecting um, several dividend increases over the next couple of years. Wow. And they're just waiting for the regulator to increase it. So not only are you getting 5% now, you're almost guaranteed an increase down the line. Right. So that's that's my stock pick of the week. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with money life. Um, but I think Joven might have something a little bit more risky, uh, but potentially more upside. For sure. Yeah. And, and I just want to, maybe we'll uh, just set some precedence here, but throughout the podcast, you'll probably from our stock picks, Jaden is a little bit more um, Warren Buffett with his picks, more value investing, mm, yes. stability, right? Um, myself, I'm more Chamath Palapatiya. You know, a little bit more risky. I'm sorry. The king of SPACs. The king of SPACs, right? I, I don't I don't do SPACs. I <laughs> wish I could. Um, maybe one day. But um, I'm a little bit more riskier with my stock picks, uh, with my investments. Um, the reason for it is I'm young. I'm a little dumb. And why not, right? Um, <laughs> I got some safe bets too. But so my pick of the week is Air Canada. And um, I own a little bit of Air Canada. Um, I hopped on the wagon a little while ago, probably about three weeks ago. Um, and you guys are probably like, Joven, you are insane. Nobody is fine right now. No. There's COVID. Why the hell would I buy Air Canada? And just today, BNN reported that Air Canada is uh, suspending flights to certain cities in across Canada. I believe Lloyd Minister Medicine, Medicine Hat, a couple in Nova Scotia. Um, London, Ontario. London, Ontario. Yeah, basically a lot of these smaller cities where you don't really need service anymore. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to say I hope we don't have viewers from there. Um Nobody cares about those cities, so it doesn't really matter in the long run. <laughs> Sorry to those from Lloyd Minister. Nobody gives a shit about Lloyd Minister. Um, <laughs> and basically, what I'm trying to say is that in in the future, uh, Air Canada is always going to be here. It's not it's not going to be a company that's going to go under. Uh, the reason behind it is it's one of the two major airlines in Canada. Um, the government can't let that happen. Um, it's 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 pretty much a crown corp at this point um and then there are certain projections that are saying that travel within canada from international visitors and uh international travel uh 
from Canadians will be at an all-time high by 2022 when when the borders open up. Hopefully, we don't know this. Oh, I, Sunday, I, but, I absolutely guarantee that. Right. So, and Air Canada, like I said, being one of the two major airline um, service providers in Canada, um, it's going to benefit from that, and it'll reap those it'll reap those benefits from from the consumers going buck wild about traveling. Um, and right now, so the 52 week high was $43. And I believe right now it's actually trading at 50% discount right now, maybe even a little bit more than that. Um, so yeah, you know what? It's not going to get you the dividends that Jaden's uh, company is going to get you, that Manny Life will get you. Um, the PE ratio is probably not the greatest. I couldn't find any data on the PE ratio for a Canada. Really, really odd. Uh, I think it's it. probably because it's zero. Because they're not making any money right yeah, now. Yeah, real funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the P ratio is absolute shit. But hey, if you want to be a little bit riskier, you know, live life on the edge, like brown Bruce Wayne slash black black Bruce Wayne or white Bruce Wayne, whatever you want to call yourself, buy some Air Canada, man. It's like the it's like the weed stock of 2021. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it certainly has its upsides. We all know that everyone's going to travel again. I mean, uh, I think everybody's just hitting refresh on Expedia, trying to get the hundred percent the win booked at, in Vegas whenever yes. uh, whenever things get back to normal. Um, I know Jaden and I will be flying down to the win as soon as things get back to normal. And you know what? We we'll probably fly Air Canada. Well, yeah, we probably yeah. will. So there you go. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll make a bunch of money off Air Canada and. Uh, Go so, business class or something. So your thought process is <laughs> this, the thought process is the same here. You're getting tired of paying fifty dollars a bag uh, when you travel, right? So you're just going to buy your Canada. Exactly. So every time that you pay fifty dollars for a bag, you know that you're going to get one fraction of a penny back. Hundred percent. So you're just buying a discount. Eventually, I probably won't get it back for a while, but yeah. you know, it might be a few years until I get it back. But you know. Um, I think it's a it's a good pick if you're looking for the long run. Um, Jaden's is a long run pick as well. I don't think that's a short short term pick. We're we're not day traders per no. se. We kind of look at like a three month to maybe even longer, like a twelve month window at the end of the day because day trading involves a lot of time. We don't really have that much time on our hands, and it's a lot riskier too. These are real companies with real numbers behind them, and. Um, yeah, there's value in both these stocks. Oh, I think there's a spot for every type of investment in your portfolio. I think Manulife, I would probably hold on to that sucker for 20 years. Five <laughs> percent dividend yield. It's trading lower than book value. I don't like. It's the biggest insurance corporation in Canada. It's um, it's expanding in the United States. It has a pretty decent presence there. Massive increases in, in presence in Asia. Mm-hmm. surprisingly through COVID um, and Asia I think you're seeing an economic rebound there so maybe more people are buying um, health insurance um, dental insurance through their jobs over in, in Asia with through Manulife um, Air Canada yeah I'd say you're probably looking at about a year timeline before you, you'd kind of move on that stock again right like yeah. you'd want to buy it now and then wait until everything gets back to normal and everyone pumps yep. the price up to where it should be and then and then take another look at it. But I think they, they both hold uh, some pretty good spots in a, in a good portfolio. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, the the one thing I would say is I, I generally like to keep individual stocks at less than 5% of total portfolio value. Um, 
I don't know if Joven agrees with that or disagrees. Maybe, maybe if he's buying um, uh, GameStop, he might he might make it bigger than five percent. I'm not sure. Um, I'm a bit more aggressive. I'm probably about. 12 10 12 percent of my portfolio per holding which is still an educated yeah uh investment i don't you're not those guys who are liquidating all assets to just dump them into gme yeah no no and and yeah that 10 12 percent has a strategy behind it as well like um my strategy over the last uh year and a half has mostly been to take advantage of these companies that are struggling during COVID. So the airline industry, the hospitality industry and hop on board. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm a little bit of a riskier investor. Sure. I'm going to see a lot of red for the short term, but in the long term, hopefully Hyde hotels and Air Canada and Delta airlines will pick up. Um, and I'm banking on that and kind of hoping for that. You know, that's, that's my investment strategy at the end of the day. And you know what? I think for a lot of the young uh, viewers, hopefully our viewers are young, and hopefully they're not that old. Um, for- we don't we don't turn down old people. Though. We like old viewers. As no, well. we love old people. We love all viewers. Um, uh, for the for the younger younger generation out there, I think um, hey, if you got a few bucks to spare, that's a good strategy because you're not really saving up for retirement. At least you're, I hope you're not. Um, you know, this is your time to maybe make those plays and try to find that 40% gain or that 50% gain. And even if it is a couple hundred bucks, you turn that into, you know, a, a few, couple more hundred, a couple more hundred, you know, you're hey, for a 17, 18 year old kid. It's a lot of money. Exactly. <laughs> and then you can responsibly put that into an RRSP. Like we talked about at the start of the show and yep. then eventually buy a house one day. Exactly. And if, then talk um, to, talk to Jane about financial yeah. planning afterwards. Yeah. If these housing markets ever drop, maybe one day you can buy a house. It's insane out there, man. It it's is. Cheap money. It is. Cheap money. Cheap money. Jerome Powell flooding the market. Yeah. All so right. We should, uh, we should end it at, at this, our first podcast? or Yeah, I think this yeah. is a good place to end. Um, thanks for listening to the Knuckles podcast. Maybe one day you'll figure out why uh, it's called that. We'll tell the story one day. Um, but story. for now, have a good rest of your week. We wish you uh, all the gains in your investments. And uh, have fun with tax season. Yeah, take it easy, everyone. All right. See ya.